0: Welcome to the latest episode episode of Nerds and I'm your host, DJ. And with me today I have the Professor Hello and Buck.
1: Hello. So how's it going, chaps? Pretty good. I'm pretty excited to be recording with you guys again. Same here.
0: Uh, uh although uh, we're
1: not askless.
2: No, <laughs> I'm not that <like> kind chaps. <laughs> we just thought just we better make sure we
1: mention that. Oh god, I need the brain bleach. <laughs>
0: Uh we've got a lot of topics to discuss. We got Red Dead we got uh talk, we talk- we're be talking about Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, subterranean drones, and the recent Aladdin movie teaser trailer. So, um first up, Professor, for- you've got a story about the new recent Red Dead Redemption 2 workloads. The hundred hour workloads, my bad.
1: Yes, there's uh, an excellent article in the show notes from Game of Sutra where they took a um- a quote from an interview with the uh, Rockstar co-founder, uh, Dan Hauser, who said that they were working hundred-hour weeks in the last like in the weeks leading up to the release of uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. He's now tried to roll that back and come out and said, We don't tell people to crunch, it's a personal choice, but <laughs> crunch is always bad. Well, here's the thing though, right? Like, it wasn't it's
2: not a mandatory thing and it was only for three weeks
1: at a time and they say it's only the writing team and all of these other qualifiers
2: but the thing that gets me is when you actually if you actually look at some of the statistics um that's basically like 14 hours a day seven days a week for three weeks right yeah welcome to mining and actually working for a living like you got a lot of the guys working in warehouses at Christmas time that are doing 14 hours a day, seven days a week for three weeks or four weeks straight leading into Christmas. And then they have a week or two off over the Christmas break. Mining does the same. It's three weeks on, one week on sort of thing. And it's usually 14 hours a shift.
1: There's so many industries out there that are doing this and, and still having a life. The problem is though with uh, the game development industry, you don't get that... Two weeks on, one week off break, like you do in the mining industry. Um, they're doing. They release the game, and then what do they do? They go straight on to the next game. That's. Uh, do you remember the EA spells letter?
2: Uh, I'm not not off the top of my head. No, sorry.
1: It's a an open letter from the wife of an EA developer from 2006, uh, criticizing EA for their crunch time um, practices. And in it, she makes the point that they keep saying you'll get extra holiday and time off at the end of this crunch, but then they just roll you into another project.
2: Okay. Well, if they're not actually delivering on their promises, that's another matter. But there's so many industries out there where people end up working huge workloads for a long period of time, and it's just part and parcel of it. So I'm, I, I don't have, I'm sorry if I'm being unsympathetic, you
0: yeah. <laughs> Although a couple of days ago, there have been some clarifications to this whole mess. Like, uh, the, like uh, I found an article that were saying that uh, the quote, they're saying, there seems to be some con- confusion arising from my interview with Harold Goldberg. At the at point I was trying to, m- the point I was trying to make in the article was related to how the narrative and dialogue in the game was crafted. Um, what else he said? Um, I
2: don't know.
1: Keep, but-
0: yeah. Long story we'll, we'll, we'll
1: post the article so that they that yeah. people can read it themselves. He, um, yeah. It does have some sources from IGDA, and I just check who the sources. But there's sources about how Crunch is detrimental. Um, Kate Edwards commented; she was a former executive director.
2: She talks yes. about how former executive
1: out. director of IGDA,
2: but um, like I'm not saying it's a good thing. But there's this, yeah, it's just, there's so many people out there that just they, they work long hours because that's what's required. Like I know it's, it's going to sound really ridiculously stupid, but I know that there's there's solicitors out there that are starting work at 6 o'clock in the morning, if not earlier, and are finishing at like 11 o'clock at night, and that's par for the course. Like there's just so many people out there that are working huge hours. That's
1: still not good for your body
2: though. I, yeah. I'm i not saying it is. That's partially the reason why I'm back at studying at uni now because of the simple fact that i was doing ridiculous hours as a workaholic and i burnt out but 14 hours a day would have been lovely like i, I was doing 18 <laughs> hours
1: a day for a week's on end of time there so alas poor bucky the flame that burns <laughs> twice as long twice as bright burns twice as fast it does
2: so yeah like they're only like it's, it's just because it's the whole three week thing here that i'm get that gets me it's like you are saying it's only three weeks at a time, just to finish off a project. Okay, it's he's not it's he's not great, but I don't know why everyone's making such a huge issue about it.
0: The the reason why they're making a huge issue is because we've seen this sort of crunch culture before, and that was during the Telltale Games saga, which is still it's, ongoing.
1: It's um because it's abused in the games industry.
2: It's abused in almost every industry. It's just gamers like game developers seem to be a little bit. More <coughs> soft, I guess. Are you saying something
1: about my weight? No, 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 that would be squishy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they're they're now saying that oh, we're going to make it. We should make a, like a game developers union or something, some something like that to protect ourselves from being being in situations like this. So, well, everyone else else has a union, might as well join the club.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: see, like um, I remember, like, I remember reading an
2: article about hundred hour work weeks and how they're they're bad for you and all this sort of stuff. But they're so it's, they're just so common in so many different industries. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I I agree that it's like, even the even the medical industry gets like might, might be working more than a hundred hours. Oh, um, paramedics that they're driving ambulances, um,
2: regularly do more than a hundred hours. Just, and, and, and it's, their um, EBA or Employment Benefits Agreement, for those who don't understand, actually consists of. There's actually a line where, if they work for more than eight hours without having had a break, they go up into special penalty ranges and all this sort of stuff above and beyond what anyone else gets. And then, yeah, uh, um, there's actually a number of studies done on doctors working in hospitals, like with like surgery and all that sort of stuff, where they're doing, like literally, they they're doing. Um, 18, 20, 24 hours without a break on an off op- on a regular basis. Like you look at some of the surgeries where they're there in surgery for. I think, mean, I think the record I've ever like the largest I've heard of, and I've, I've never been able to find evidence to support it, was seventy-two hours of surgery.
1: Yeah, the um, interesting thing about that though is that there's actually evidence to show that longer shifts are a good thing in medicine. Because the less handoffs you have, the less chance there is for information to be lost or for someone to forget to check up on someone. So you get better patient outcomes.
2: Uh, Look, honestly, I'm I'm not against the idea. But the thing that I'm concerned about is the fact that after you've been awake for 18 hours, your brain actually starts to develop a condition which is exactly the same as being drunk. So having... a blood alcohol level of 0.05, um after 18 hours. After 20 hours, it increases exponentially, and it keeps doing that. So
1: I remember in primary school once, and hopefully this is the episode my parents don't listen to, but in primary school once, I stayed up for three nights without sleeping. Maybe there's a reason <laughs> I'm so messed up. Yeah, I don't think it was the lack of sleep. I
2: think there's, there's other issues there. But then again, I'm not that, that far different, so...
0: Article in term, um, I've got an interesting article, guys, about the whole 100 um, hours. There are a couple of interesting hypotheses one person has, fa- uh, has posted. So, example, hypothesis one, individuals who do less perform Sorry, better at here. work. Oh, yeah, so hypothesis one, for example, uh, individuals who do less and then obsess will perform better at work than those who don't. That's one hypothesis. Um
1: Wait, so what does that mean? Hypothesis. You you leave all your work till the last minute, then freak out.
0: Yeah.
1: But that depends mm-hmm. upon the person, that's not the, uh, in the-
0: uni.
2: <laughs> That that is that is the uni thing, leaving your assignments to the very last second. Ah, you posted the exact same link that I was just about. To. Yeah. that's the Forbes one. Yeah, yeah, great minds think
1: alike. How does it feel being the DJ's <laughs> equal? Yeah. <laughs> Screw you. But
0: it's, but it's such a it's but such a um it's such a dangerous thinking though. Like their employees thinking that working more hours incl it would um would equate to better performance. That's a that's very dangerous. Well yeah. it is
1: true that like Bucky like was saying, when you're awake for that long you start to hit a point where you are basically drunk. So if you are doing that, you are suffering some loss of productivity.
2: That's the reason why truck drivers have to keep a logbook, and they're only allowed to drive a certain number of hours in a twenty-four hour period, and all that sort of stuff. Because of this, like
1: fatigue and all that, it does start to affect you. Yeah, I wonder um, if there's a, uh, I wonder if there's any studies on it about the length of time. So, like, whether there's it's a linear drop in performance if you work hundred hours a week for uh, like each week it uh, drops to about the same amount, or if there's a you hit a wall eventually and it just completely stops. I suppose that would be burnout
2: um, yeah, I was going to say I know for myself, um, I did it pretty constantly for quite a long time, <laughs> and then just every day and again I would just I'd come home and I 'd have the weekend where I just wouldn't get out of bed I would, I, and just stay there and sleep so. Uh, it's extremely unhealthy in a lot of ways. But I like the I like the way Sweden's actually gone if you're gonna start looking at this sort of thing. Um Sweden's actually got companies that have introduced
1: a six hour day. I'd be okay with that. I mean that is what I'm doing, but until I move up to full time after my Oh no, well this is classified introductory period,
2: but this is classified as full pay and full time hours. Oh nice. So yeah.
0: So, I think one of the countries, one of the European countries also has a four day week. I think it was the Netherlands. My memory serves me right. The Netherlands has a four day week. Yeah, there we are. Yeah,
1: some people like to work 10 hours a day and then take Friday off.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I, like, I've, I've done that. Um, I used to
2: work at a company where we would do um, four days of 10 hours a day and it would be a rotating shift where there were four teams. And you would have two weeks of morning shift, Monday to Friday, Monday to Sunday to Wednesday. And then you would have two weeks of morning shift, Wednesday to Saturday. And then you would have two weeks of afternoon shifts and so forth. And yeah, like you sit there after a while and you'd end up at certain points where you'd have almost um, an entire week where you'd have nothing. Once a month. So it, uh, yeah. Because when it changed from the Monday to Wednesday to the Wednesday to Saturday, it was you finished that week and then it was the next week you'd come in, you'd have to do the Wednesday to Saturday. So you, you would have gone from Wednesday through to Wednesday. So, but, yeah, I think we're starting to get a bit off track here, aren't we?
0: No, uh, that's fair enough. But, yeah, back to the um, the game, though. Uh, you guys hyped about the game though? In the end? Nah, nah, nah.
1: I'm not getting yeah. it. Who would
2: be? Who's interested in playing Red Dead Redemption?
0: Me. I played. I've I played Red Dead Redemption one, and it was a really beautiful game. Nah, and I'm really hyped about Red Dead Redemption two because it's a long time coming. I mean,
2: kind of like we're waiting for you to get the joke in the sarcasm.
0: <laughs> no, no I'm, yes, I'm serious.
2: DJ is bald. Because of all the jokes that just seem to go over his head. Ah.
0: <laughs> uh, uh,
1: yeah, some of those low flying jokes anyways, unfortunately um, scalped him at one point.
0: <laughs> anyways, uh, back story about a subterranean drone.
2: <laughs> um. Yeah. Um. CSIRO has entered into a competition with DARPA where they're using, well, employing drones or working on to employing drones for providing 3D maps of subterranean spaces. And they're the the only Australian team that's involved in this project, which the Sub-T Challenge team, which is the Australian team, comprises of nearly 30 people from across the different areas. Some of them are from CSIRO, some of them are from QUT and
1: some from the University of Queensland, so yeah, it's quite a lot of fun. They sound yeah. like they would have been um, pretty useful a few months ago with the Thai kids. well, that's the whole concept behind it is for mapping caverns and so
2: forth in rescue situations and that sort of stuff. so yeah, like it's they're pairing like they've already um, been working on this sort of technology for a while where they've had a hover map used to fly in an underground mine 600 metres below the surface in Western Australia. So in rescue situations, before you send people in, you want to know what's where and all that sort of thing, this is the perfect way to do it. And it's not using um, sound waves either as part of the mapping. It's it's, um, using light, from what I can understand.
1: So um, a LIDAR, I believe.
2: Um, Yeah, I can't... I'm just trying to find where they actually discuss it in the article. But, yeah, like, um, I remember when I was doing my undergrad, we were looking at different things for sounds, like auditory auditory localization. So, and I actually suggested something similar to this as part of my practical applications without having even realised that people were actually doing this. So, yeah, um, yeah, LiDAR, light detection and ranging. So... Yeah, if you use sonar with sound waves and so forth, you can actually destabilise structures and so forth and cause collapses. And it's also going to have other effects, such as disturbing animals and insects. And certain sound waves have been shown to create nausea. So,
1: yeah. You know, interesting thing about uh, sound waves affecting uh, bats. Yes. There's a particular moth that lives in the... Uh, in the caves up north Mm -hmm. that flaps its wings rapidly when it it hears a bat flying around and that disrupts the bat's echolocation so the bat just can't steer. Yes. Um,
2: There's actually been studies done where if you have people standing in a circle clapping a certain cadence, it actually puts all the
1: um, colonies of fruit bats out of sync and they start running into each other. And it affects people, too. They reckon that uh, most cases of hauntings are possibly from infrasound, yes. so very low-frequency sound waves. That uh-huh. There's been studies that have shown that particular frequencies will disrupt something in your brain and make you feel an ominous presence.
2: Oh, it's, um, sound waves have a lot of effects on people. So the sounds that you can hear and you can't hear are always affecting you.
0: Could you imagine Boston Dynamic entering into entering into this project?
2: Um, they possibly have been. It's a massive project, so
1: I'm I'm pretty sure Boston Dynamics is already doing stuff with DARPA. Yep, they probably are military industrial complex there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not that I can hate DARPA for everything. I mean, they did work on the internet. You've got to remember that like, a lot of the technology we have today is
2: due to a lot of the military research. Yep. Like planes, plane tech, flight, planes and flight technology will be nowhere near as advanced as it is b- without war application. Same <laughs> with medicine. And space travel. Like, we, would, we wouldn't have penicillin without um, the uh, what, situation in World War II and all that, I think it was. It led to the discovery of penicillin.
1: Yeah, or at least the mass production of it. Mm. I can't remember exactly when it was discovered.
0: At Penicillin it's: Because
2: um, it was a big discovery I mean, for the Allies in World War II. Before that, they used to just use like they were be using um, like old moldy bread for treating cuts and wounds. And it was actually discovered by accident.
0: Yeah.. yeah. Discovered in 1928 by Scottish scientist Alex Fleming. Mm-hmm. At Sir St. Arlington,
1: Mary's right, Hospital, by the way. Yeah. And then I think it was an Aussie guy who developed penicillin itself as a medicine.
0: Mm-hmm. You mean so, as in mass production or?
1: Well, as in, um, yeah, derived it and ter- worked out how to develop it into a, a drug. Mm-hmm. So like Fleming discovered it, if I remember correctly. And then it wasn't until World War II that it was developed into an actual Proper drug,
0: yeah. Um, Howard uh, Florey, that was his How, name, or later Howard
2: Florey and Ernst Chain, researchers yeah. at University of Oxford. Yep, so okay. yeah, and that was um, for treating streptococcal septicemia, is initially, but then it's just yeah, they realized they had lots more applications.
0: I think we're getting a bit uh, sort of sidetracked with the <laughs> penicillin and whatnot. Um, so, <laughs> So what are your thoughts, what do you guys think in the end? Do you reckon this will revolutionise the various sectors, such as mining and rescue work? I hope it's good
1: for rescue work. I hope it revolutionises that.
0: Yeah, um, because the thing is,
1: not just in caves, it's also
2: when you look at um, collapsed buildings and that sort of thing. And by using light waves and so forth, you can have um, penetration of areas for rescues that,
1: you otherwise not able to get access to. Yeah, just drive, the, drive it around in the area and find all the wounded people. And you can even have it so that um, you
2: don't even have to drive it yourself. You can have unmanned aerial reconnaissance vehicles, which is the one that actually operated in Western Australia, where it actually flies itself around and maps out the area and then returns to a certain point after a period of time. Cool. So, yeah. Of course, the military application is that they're going to be able to have them fly silently above um, troop positions to map out where troops are located.
1: Yeah, it's why uh, kids in the Middle East only go out to play on cloudy days. Yep. Because drones can't see you on cloudy days. Well, they can, but let's, just not dis- let's not discuss that part. Happy times. Happy topics. Yes. <laughs> Um, so
2: yeah, like there's the, the potential that this able to deliver is just it's a, it's a groundbreaking area and moving forward,
0: yeah. Um, speaking of groundbreaking and moving forward, um, I've got one story that might be uh interesting for you guys. Um, so a couple of days ago, the live action version of the animated mo- Disney animated movie Aladdin came out. It is a trailer, by the way, mind you. And it mm-hmm. looked very, very beautiful. Very this is,
2: beautiful. This is the one by Guy Ritchie, isn't it? Uh
0: yeah, directed by Guy Ritchie, yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's got a whole load, a whole stark line star lineup, like Will Smith as the genie, um Minim masood as Aladdin uh Massoud, famously enough. He was in recently in Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, the TV series. That was his recent role. Um, Then you have Naomi Scott. She is the Pink Ranger in the recent Power Rangers movie. And the guy playing as Jafar is uh, Frank Welker, famous for Megatron in in Transformers, Ebler in Futurama.
2: The most important question here,
1: though, is who's playing the genie? Uh, read,
0: can... I was going to say, I'm saving that for the last. Uh, I... You
1: already say it, isn't it, Will Smith? I'm yeah. pretty sure I heard you say that. Yeah
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, I did say it, yeah. So, yeah, Will yeah. Smith is playing as genie.
2: Yeah,
1: but is he going to be as good as Robin Williams? No.
0: Oh, I, Oh, that's a, that's a big, big question. That's a big,
1: but big question. He won't be as good as Robin Williams.
2: I'm sorry, but even if he had size 39 feet, he wouldn't be able to fill the shoes
1: of Robin Williams.
0: Yeah, Robin Williams captured Genie really well. He captured it really well. Oh, I say Will but...
1: Smith isn't some kind of master actor like Robin Williams was. Doesn't have the oh, same he... level of insanity. Will Smith only he, really although, does my... one character.
0: Hmm. Although, Will mind you, though Will Smith, Smith oh, well, mind you, has been in a couple of really heavy movies recently.
1: Yeah, but he's a really not...
0: heavy movie. Well,
2: like, nothing, nothing against Will Smith, but compared to Robin Williams, he's a featherweight. Yeah. Yeah, like Robin. Robin Williams was one of those actors that could give you some of the most mind-blowingly deep and meaningful
1: stories, but still have you wetting your pants with laughter at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. But Robin I... Williams
1: is amazing. I've been watching Mork and Mindy, and it's so good. It's
0: so. in hmm? oh, a second. So, actually, who's playing as Jafar? No, Jafar's not played by Frank Welker. He's play. He's play. What played by uh, Marwan Kanzari, My mistake. Marwan Kanzari is playing as Jafar, and uh, I know I right. made a mistake. But um, yeah, Frank Welker. He's playing as the cave. He's doing the voice of the cave of wonders.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is you've got to have a ballsy voice to do that.
0: Yeah. I, I personally, when I saw the teaser trailer, I just thought that just looks really identical to the movie. Of the animated movie. Oh,
1: well, that's all the Disney live-action remakes. That's really just let's get some big-name actors to act out the roles of the animated characters. Yeah, and it's
2: I am there to two approaches to this and attitudes because I love when they do these sorts of movies. I, I've always loved them, but trying to replace Robert Williams so soon is just bad. Yeah, like so what? What are we going to get next? Some someone out there trying to do a remake of Good Morning Vietnam or Dead Poet Society,
0: <laughs> or a <laughs> remake
2: of Mrs. The Doubtfire?
0: Doctor movie? Well, uh, uh, Patch
2: Adams. Yeah, that's it. Like the, the the level of genius that Robin Williams had when he delivered those characters. Like other actors out there, like Jack Nicholson and all that, have all said that nobody else other than Robin Williams could really have done those roles and done them justice to the same level as what he did. If... I kind of doubt this is going to be any good. It'd be I know it's... to watch, but, yeah, it's not It's not going to be the same. You're going to be watching it the
1: whole way through just going, I'm not going to be interested in that so much. I think the Although, only one of you, though, that's but... been any, like, actually good is the uh, not you know, the, the Jungle Book remake. Yeah, oh, Tarzan wasn't too bad. I
2: enjoyed that one. And, um... Uh, what? The Beauty and the Beast one.
0: Oh yes, that was beautiful. I've got,
2: to, I, I, I've got to give that credit. That was actually a really good remake. It's got Hermione in it. Well, yeah, <laughs> and she can actually sing quite well. But it was just the whole, the whole fun atmosphere that was created around it. Okay.
0: What's it? Uh, what's interesting for me is how Disney's going from they're made from all these. Uh, They made, like, sequels of The Incredibles. um, They they did their Marvel movies. They're now going to this whole direction of let's remake all these animated movies into live action. Like, we had The Jungle Book. We had, like uh, Buck said, The uh, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Like, I think next year we might see a a Dumbo live action, Dumbo movie.
1: Who will play the
2: elephant? (laughs) There's actually, there is one slated somewhere I did see something about.
0: Uh, who's playing as Dumbo? Uh, no one's playing the elephant, but uh, Colin Farrell's going to be in it, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito, that's... That, Danny DeVito fun. is
1: the elephant. Just put some grey makeup on him and you won't be able to tell the difference. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bit harsh. What did the that's elephant ever do to, to get you upset like that? Oh, it's a long, long story, Bucky.
2: But Danny De- <laughs> actually, no, Danny DeVito is the circus owner. Yeah, he could do that
1: real well as well. He's yeah. good of actually, doing the uh, angry jerk character.
2: I'm, I'm actually looking at the um, wiki page about the release for Dumbo 2019, and it's got him there. Um, Eva Green as Colette Marchand, a French trapeze artist. They're not saying who the actual who does the voice for the elephant or anything. Although he's got um, Rashawn Seth and Douglas Reith. Up here in undisclosed roles. Now I don't know if I've ever seen Dumbo, but does he actually have a voice? Yes. Okay. That's it's the one where it, the original cartoon animated version of it had the was the one where it had the crows singing the song and making fun of him and all
1: that sort of stuff. Speaking of, y- you a know physique, I saw on the news today? An article where um, some actresses were. Uh, I think it's. Who's the girl from Pirates of the Caribbean? Keira Knightley. Keira Knightley and uh, Kirsten Bell, I think it might have been.
0: Yeah. Were, um, yeah talking
1: ca- about the message behind Disney princesses. And one of them mentioned that they um, they didn't think it was right for the prince to kiss the princess, uh, or to clear sleeping beauty without permission. And that just got me thinking, uh, what it would be like to get full on... Proper Grimm's fairy tale versions of the Disney princesses. Because oh, got- in the original Sleeping Beauty, she gets pregnant and has kids while she's still asleep. Yes. It's not until she wakes up when her baby bumps into her and knocks the apple out of her mouth.
2: And then um, Snow White and Seven Dwarfs becomes. Because it also depends on which version of um, Sleeping Beauty you look at as well. There's a few different ones. And Snow White and Seven Dwarfs is based on um, seven different. Agents, such as the, the princes, princess, and her seven knights, is one story, and it's pretty grisly. So, but then again, Disney is trying but to get dark these days, so maybe they could.
0: But here's the thing, though, like with Kirsten Bell saying about how uh, Snow, uh, Sleeping Beauty is a is is a very controversial movie and stuff. The funny thing is, Kirsten Bell she acted as an underage prostitute <coughs> in Deadwood. I mean, an underage prostitute assassin in Deadwood. But, but wow, the thing that's that the most anime
1: of, thing I've ever heard.
2: But the thing that people haven't really considered with all this is when Cinderella and that was released, it was a children's fairy tale done in a romantic way,
1: and it was a product of the time. Yeah, they're all at least 50 years old these days, so I don't oh. think it's fair to criticise them with a modern viewpoint. Like I we actually looked at this and I was doing psychology and we
2: actually got we had to actually, it was actually an exam question was, was Walt Disney Texas. And when we discussed it in class we were having having to actually look at the fact that Walt Disney actually employed the first female director and producer.
1: Yeah, he's uh, done a lot of dodgy things but that's not one of them. Yeah,
2: like he like he was just a man, and everyone sits there, and they're all going through and attacking him. But they've got to look at it in co- context of the time that he was in, and they're just not doing that because we don't want to let reality impact on a good winch.
1: Yes, and if you like winching, you should listen to glass of wine.
2: Yes, that way you can learn how to do it properly. Um, actually, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs just was released in Australia on the second of June nineteen thirty-eight. So it's coming up to being
1: it's actually it's over eighty years old now for Snow White. That's um an old movie to still be in such public consciousness. Yeah but it's so
2: controversial.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: And then Sleeping Beauty was nineteen fifty nine
0: uh, yep. But I I I I just think this whole controversial Disney princess is, is just like oh do we do they really have to say it though I mean what what, what are they trying to prove like, I do like trying the scene to
1: prove making fun of it in um in uh the record Ralph two trailer mm. where the princesses are having a party and they're like you're a princess did you get saved from a castle did a brave man fight a dragon for you. Well, that was also in um, Shrek. Yeah, that was a parody of that as well.
2: <laughs> so, like, honestly, I think a lot of it is just, they're just trying to do something controversial so people remember that they're still there because they're appearing in less and less movies these days. Although, isn't Kirsten Bell in The Good Place? Well, probably... Apparently, apparently she's Kirsten not in that good f- of... She's not in that good a place because she's complaining about a Disney movie.
0: Uh
1: Well, if you'd seen the rest of like all the different (laughs) places, you'd know that.
0: Uh, But uh, uh, one one could say she needs to let go, let go.
1: No, no, no. (laughs) She was in Frozen, wasn't she? Yeah. I I just lost respect for her. I
2: I don't know. I was I was was just going to go with the line of that was of the song that I was singing for the DJ, before we started. (laughs) Let it go, let it go, let the diarrhea go. (laughs) But she has, because she's just dribbled it out all over the place. She's got an excessive case of
1: verbal diarrhea without actually (laughs) expressing anything worthwhile. So, DJ, how did you transpose your mind into another body?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that would be great.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. You and your body's bad enough. We don't want you and somebody else's. <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, uh, final thoughts, uh, fellas, on this. Final thoughts.
2: Be interesting to watch. Hopefully, they, hopefully, it isn't stuffed up by
1: pathetic egos that just don't step up to the plate. Yeah.
0: Not, I hope I the, the this is... one
1: playing the genie isn't trying to do a. Complete takeoff of um of the original, right? Try to make. I hope they try to make it their own thing, but still pay homage to Robin Robert Williams. Yeah, to Robbie.
2: Hopefully, he doesn't try to make it so it's like Fresh Prince of Bel Air or Men in Black, and it's got it's going to now have its own rap theme songs and so forth.
1: You're telling me this is some sort of bandit camp? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, man. Can you imagine Will Smith rapping in the middle of Aladdin?
1: Unfortunately, yes, and it's not good. I bet it would be like those um, those shitty YouTubers who come up with rap songs about how much money they have. Like, you come out (laughs) of the cave with all the gold and be like, yo, what up, I got millions of dollars. Probably.
0: Oh, man, just weird. (laughs) Uh, Although, I, I will say this before we go to the next topics. Um... God, this is Guy Ritchie's second fa- fantasy movie, mind you. His first one was um, the recent King Arthur movie. That was interesting. That was an interesting switch because, from his
2: re- from his usual Lock, movies. Lock and- because luck Stock what? and Two Smoking Barrels was based on a, re- a real true story.
0: What
1: um what King Arthur movie? I you completely did. missed that one somehow.
2: You missed the recent King Arthur movie Yeah. the bloke from um, Sons of Anarchy.
1: Okay, for a second I was thinking, is that the one with um? Is does it have Russell Crowe in it? And I was like, no, No. that's Robin Hood and Gladiator and basically every other um (laughs) fantasy action movie of the 2010s. Um, do we do
2: we list them all out there, DJ? You had a thing for Russell Crowe in Gladiator and the Leather and all
0: that. (laughs) Oh, let's not go there. Let's not go there. But um, yeah, that. Like, this yeah, is an interesting direction for him. Sword. Yeah.
2: But Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels and all that weren't based on true stories. You do realise that, don't you? They're not reality. I'm sure he does. I've just got to check and make sure, because he's looking a little bit confused.
0: <laughs> no, what I'm trying to say is, like, he's changed his roles from, like, gangster movies to, like, um to basically fantasy action movies. That's what That's the point I was trying to make.
2: But has he?
0: Yeah. I mean like like with you've got Sherlock Holmes, which was basically a mystery movies. The and Russell then the man Downey from-
1: versions? Ro- Robert not Downey. Russell Downey, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Russell Jr. Downey. Who's,
2: who's who's starting to have the bit of the um Russell
1: Crowe fan fantasy gear going now? <laughs> the DJ is a bad influence on me. <laughs> uh-huh. I swear, it's not my choice. Yep.
2: Yeah. Something happened there. What's going on?
1: Did I drop out for a moment? Uh, the DJ dropped out. The DJ? Yeah. My computer went to sleep because I hadn't touched the mouse. Oh, okay. But no, we've lost the DJ. Oh. He's completely offline. His internet must have finally kicked the bucket. Either that or he did.
2: But, hey, the thing you got to understand with um, Guy Ritchie doing the fantasy movies is the fact that he was married to Madonna. Eight years. If that doesn't um, give you
1: enough of an excuse to want to escape reality, I don't know what else will. Do you reckon he'd go around driving Madonna crazy, singing the Weird Al parodies of her songs? I, <laughs> I reckon he probably
2: would offer to do the direction for the sound for the um, film crew. That
0: that would be a good stress reliever, listening to Weird Al Yankovic versions of Madonna.
2: I just listened to Weird Al Yankovic's. Pretty good.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Anyways, uh, let's move forward. All as right. You are. right.
1: As opposed to moving backwards or sideways, I keep hearing myself, like my own voice, echoing over the DJ's mic. I heard it as well. He's run away again. DJ, do you read
0: me? DJ, do you read me? I am alive. Bugger. Are you sure? <laughs> yes, I am sure. Uh, Anyways, guys, uh, what have you guys been playing?
1: I've been playing TIS-100. It's an assembly-based, like, assembly programming-based puzzle game. It's by the guys who made Space Cam and Infinifactory, and uh, I think their latest game is Magnum Opus. But this one, the the plot is that your uncle who passed away in mysterious circumstances... Had a Russian computer in it in his garage, and you're trying to decode it and um, reprogram the corrupted files to work out the conspiracy. It is a pain (laughs) to do, though, because it's assembly programming, so it's um, very, (laughs) no hand holding, very difficult. It is enjoyable, though
0: so we found a dark souls version of for dark souls version of pc gaming for the professor
1: yeah it's like the dark souls version of uh of human resources machine <laughs> <laughs> instead of having cute graphics it's all just text
0: oh that that's a good that's a good analogy
1: <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to give
2: you the horror version next where it's um all operating in
1: machine code. Oh, like binary? Yes. You know, I'm actually working on a replica of an Atari 8800, not Atari, Altair 8800, which has a binary input panel. That would be so much fun. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm actually um, using it for my escape room that's coming up. The uh, players are going to have to decode a code using a code table I give them. And then enter it into the computer using the toggle switches. Ah. I um, I'll just be making it using an Arduino to begin with, though not running any proper Altair software, just because it'll be easier to bodge together something than deal with all the overhead of the operating system or of the emulator. To be fair, zero
2: one one zero one 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 one
1: zero one one zero one zero one one. Okay, I'm lost. Well, I can't let's... do binary conversions in my head. Well, for those um, non-nerds. Okay,
2: fair enough. A... Yeah, I had had. Hello. I think I've told you about this guy before. Um, a friend that I knew when I was in high school, worked for um, Queensland Rail, and when he was doing his degree in programming, had to actually learn how to program in binary and machine code.
1: Ouch. I've got a friend who's doing that at the moment and they're like, you know any resources for programming in machine code? I'm just like, don't bother. Yeah, caffeine and worry beads. Although um,
2: he actually, he was telling me he actually found it quite a a lot easier when he was using, if he had an abacus as well. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he would sit there playing around with an abacus and that sort of thing and he'd actually set up a couple of abacai where he actually had all the stuff all worked out beforehand. And then he could just go through and it was just like, so yeah, you just do tap, 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 and make it happen. That's pretty clever. It's much worse when you actually get into doing hexadecimal programming, which is restricted to certain robotic functions only from what I've ever heard. So.
1: Yeah, I, um, I haven't coded in it, but I was working with um, Hex the other day. I was trying to hack together a couple of phone backups, iPhone <laughs> backups, trying to reverse engineer them so I could recover some data. I spent two days writing a script for that, and then I found out that some software I had already did that for me in the latest version.
2: Okay. Yeah, I remember... Sitting there working working on the different programs well problems this guy would give me and yeah. You'd sit there struggling for days on end trying to work out the, and decode things into normal. And it would be he'd be really, really nasty occasionally. He'd code something into hexadecimal, translate it to binary, and then give it to me. So I'd have to translate it in from one to the next. But it was always fun. Hmm. Wow. Your friend sounds like a bastard. No, no, um, just he, he knew I liked puzzles and challenges like that. And, yeah. Fair enough. He, 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 was, he was an epic nerd. <laughs> like, this is a guy who had a granny flat where one wall, he had fish tanks where he was breeding fish. breeding, And on the other side of the room, he had his computers all set up. And he had an amazing computer
1: outlay. So which era was this? Um, were they 386, like Commodores, Amigas? Um, oh, it was around the 386 era.
2: So we're talking like 89, 90,
1: 91. Okay.
2: okay. Um, actually, there was a game he used to play. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to, trying to remember what
1: the name of it is now. Okay. You can keep going there, DJ. Just wait on me. Oh, no, you're echoing back. What is the DJ doing? I
2: don't know. He makes funny noises and everything. He's trust the
1: streams.
0: <laughs> uh, anyways, guys, um, so, Buck, you've been playing an interesting game. I have. Yes, you have. Uh, one known as Sniper Ghost Warrior, I see. Okay, have I? Yes, you did.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, um, it's a couple of years old now, but, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You get to run around as a sniper doing missions where you sit back and shoot the enemy at distance.
1: Sneak in and do knife attacks. Nice. All that sort of stuff. It seems a lot more bo- action focused than say sniper elite though, isn't is it? Is it? Um, it depends on how you play it. If you
2: wanna go full sniper, you can. But there are like you actually you swap back and forth between being a sniper and um, some special ops operators. So you have your periods there where you run around being crazy with guns going loud and everything. Or you can sit back and do your sniping where you shoot from a fair distance. And it's got spectacular graphics, so when you get a headshot at range in a proper snipe, um, the the cinematic slows down and you see the bullet going through the trajectory and it impacts and the person does a backflip in the air. Does it do the the gore cam that Sniper Elite does? No, unfortunately. And I did actually enjoy that when I used to play that back in the day too. But, yeah, it's still a lot of fun. Yeah. You run around, run around the jungles of, I think it's in South America, and you get to snipe enemy soldiers and all that sort of stuff. And Yeah. Who's not going to enjoy that? I think it also has a multiplayer aspect so you can actually play against other people. I haven't done that yet.
0: Are you going to um, do the extra side missions and try and get the hardest me- uh, medal achievement? Oh,
2: in the long run, yeah. It's one of those games. that's not one you can do the whole thing in a week when you're doing assignments for uni and stuff as well. So, but yeah, no, it's a lot of fun to run around.
0: and I wonder what's the I wonder what's the what? hardest achievement for that game. I wonder what's the hardest achievement uh, in, in, for a sniper for um, ghost warrior.
2: Um, I know. I like. I used to turn around and when I used to play it on PlayStation. I used to sneak in and do um knife attacks if i could oh yeah and that was always really hard because you'd be sneaking in trying to get close without being detected to do a knife attack so you'd have to sit there and be be ready so you could change weapons because you sometimes have two or three people there you can get a knife attack on one maybe the second if you're really quick but the third one you'd always have to switch over to your silence pistol to shoot them three times
0: yeah Oh, that will be fun. I'm going to try, try the game now.
2: But, yeah, you run around, like, it's got to be South America because you're running around what looks like Mayan or Incan Ruins and, and battling drug deals.
0: That will be fun. Uh, I, I'm, still, I'm still playing Path of Exile. It's really fun. Hello. It's just been cool. DJ, come in,
1: DJ, come in. We, we do not hear you, DJ. Do you copy, DJ? Oh,
0: oh DJ. I, I, I copy...
1: Yeah, you know, you, you've moved away from your microphone, DJ. Am
0: I still DJ, alive? nothing I heard,
1: assuming soldier lost. Made silence for the lost soldier. We're, were you thinking, moving
2: on. Were you thinking about Russell Crowe and his leather?
0: <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking of anybody.
2: <laughs> uh, you, you, you're still very distant. Can, can you, uh, we normally tell you to move away from your microphone, but do you want to actually speak towards your microphone a bit. <laughs> I said, "Sit at
1: the other end of a footy field, not sit on the moon."
0: <laughs> oh so I've been playing part of exile, and I'm just having too much fun with that game. I mean, yeah, I do I do get intimidated by the uh, mass massive skill tree, still massive. uh it's it's fun. Now I'm just having tr- now I'm just having trouble trying to f- sell most of the inventory that that's been piling up in my stash.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you can so, use
0: it to buy other stuff
2: Yeah, that's what I've been trying like, so You can combine items to create other things as well Yeah,
0: I've noticed that too I've just been trying to figure out what to what to combine So I've just been exploring around But I might eventually learn more in, in the long run
2: uh-huh. I think my barber very, very very needs to weapons hear you. hmm? You're very, very faint, it's hard to hear you
0: Hmm.
1: We may have to edit this section out if you can't speak. Yeah, computer. it's okay. Yeah, just edit it out. I'll see if I can boost it, but I can only <laughs> do so much.
0: Yeah, don't worry about it. Dad.
2: You can edit it out. Edit it have out. You, have you changed your microphone?
0: No, I haven't changed my microphone. No.
2: Have you got? Sounds like he's got, got something in his mouth. he's like got something in his mouth. Have you got something in your mouth, CJ? He's dead. Hello, Oh well. Um. <laughs> So, I guess uh, since he's vanished, will we just keep talking? Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, moving on to shout outs. We have Paul G. Allen,
1: the co founder of Microsoft, has died at the age of 65. Yes, he died of cancer. I was actually talking about him a few weeks ago. He worked with Bill Gates on the original version of uh, Microsoft Basic which is what made what made them famous. They actually distributed it on the Altair 8800. 8, mm-hmm. Um, what have we got next? Um, after, there was the
2: there was <coughs> something the DJ was saying about earlier. Somebody else had passed.
1: Yeah, I
2: can't remember who that was. Right, okay. Well, if he comes back, he can tell us. But famous birthdays this week. We have Oscar Wilde, the Irish poet and playwright who's famous for works such as the picture of Dorian Gray um, being camper than Elton John and being arrested for it.
0: For it.
1: Yep. yep. Um, Oscar Wilde Oscar. and um, Alan Turing, probably the two most famous people to be arrested for being gay. And
2: then also this week we had Carl Gordon Haynes. He's changed, he stuffed the spelling up on that. It was Hanais H- 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 or something.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, the, the link's are right under it. It's Henny's, Henny's. Yeah. I don't know. Someone, someone needs to slap the DJ. He's even said that to him because he did that before.
2: Um, an American astronomer, space scientist, NASA, NASA astronaut, and professor at Northwestern University.
1: I like where you're going with that um, uh, slip there. Nastronaut. We should use oh. that as the official abbreviation now. I, I, I thought it sounded better.
2: But um, he was mission specialist on the Space Lab Two mission, co- also known as STS 51F. He was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, in 1926. And for all those who are needing to lose weight, other than the professor and myself, Dr. Robert Atkins, nutritionist,
1: was born this week in 1930. Yeah. The inventor of the Atkins diet. So who do they name the light and easy diet after? (laughs) Wow. I could tell you her name, but she charges by the hour. Okay. Because
2: she was easy. Um, Moving on. I I kind of thought that one would go past you. (laughs) He's back. (laughs) Um, Events of interest. Actually, there was someone you were saying you wanted to give a shout-out to before the show.
0: Yeah. His his name is Ian Keenan, and he's the uh, founder of Clean Up Australia Day.
2: Okay, uh, and he passed just this week, was it?
0: Yeah, he passed away this week after a long battle with cancer. Yeah, at 78 as well, which is pretty sad. Oh,
2: our condolences. Yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, You're going to hang around
1: now and take
2: back over hosting the show, or do you want me to keep going?
0: Oh, yeah, keep going, keep going, dude. I'm, I'm fine.
1: You sure? I've already lost you twice yeah. in the last five minutes, so... Uh...
0: Yeah, let's just keep going. Keep going.
1: Okay. Um, In
2: events of interest, we have a marvellous day on the 17th of October, 1814. A beer flood occurred in the parish of St. Giles, London. Unfortunately, it killed nine people, but reports were that all nine of them were dragged out multiple times and just kept going back for more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me of the... uh, the Boston Molasses Flood: a uh, molasses sticky. storage tank broke and killed a couple of dozen people and injured like over a hundred. It was a sticky situation. That one. <sighs>
0: <sighs> <laughs> you know, what would be even funnier. Imagine being at the Pearly Gates after that beer flood, and God goes, "So how'd you die, mate? Um, yeah, I I died in the beer flood." <laughs>
2: Well, it's supposed to be St. Peter at the gates, not God. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I've actually got a funny joke for you about the Pope appearing at the gates of heaven. <laughs> and St. Peter's there and asks him, who are you? And he goes, I'm the Pope. I don't have a Pope on the list here. What would you do? I was the representative of God on earth. So St. Peter goes goes on, goes, I've never heard of you. So he goes away and checks, goes and speaks to God. God's like, no, never heard of him. Yeah, let's check with Jesus. So he calls out, Jesus, but do you know this guy? And Jesus comes <laughs> over, looks at the description and all the details, and he goes, oh, you remember that fishing club I started back a couple of thousand years ago? Apparently it's still going. <laughs> <laughs> but moving uh-huh. on, um, now we've had the sacrilegious episode of the show. Um, 17th of October, 1888, Thomas Edison filed a patent for the optical phonograph or the first movie. So, um, 16th of October, 1964, China's first nuclear test 54 years ago. And hasn't that done wonders for the world? Yep. Um, 16th of October, 2017, findings published of neutron star collision. The first cosmic event seen in gravitational waves and light on the 17th of October uh, confirms heavy elements such as gold. The result of such collisions. So for all those people wearing gold jewelry, you've only got it because a neutron star collapsed or collided. Same with carbon. Mm -hmm. So those sparkly gems you got for your bling bling for the mumble rappers that can't actually speak and look like they have fallen asleep at a party in the 80s and 90s and have people draw all over their face.
0: <laughs> Buck's on fire. Buck's on fire. <laughs>
1: I'm not on fire at all. Wait, someone call the ambulance. But
2: that's all we've got. That's all we've got on the list so far. So nothing else to add there, guys? No, I don't believe there is. DJ? You don't have anything Not, new, no, nothing I, in the, I, nothing breaking on the news front.
0: No, I got nothing. I got nothing.
2: You got nothing.
0: Yeah. Although uh, there, there is there were talks about how Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill are no longer in the DC um, cinema universe. So and that's, Boring. that's sad, the end of the episode. But, Good night. Yeah. <laughs> well it's not hippie it's not. it's hi- it's not- it's not, it's not hippy news it's not it's a marvel hippie news at least
2: yeah well um in in the wise words of Blackadder I'm going to have a party, and no one's invited but me so uh, <laughs> yes um yeah uh please check us out and all our other episodes we are on Stitcher.
1: Stitcher, iTunes, That's Not yeah. Kind of website.
2: Spotify. Spotify. <laughs> Spotify.
0: Yep. Um, hey, tweet. What's our address? Uh, at an amalgamated. And our email address? Uh, nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com.
2: Any other way people can get hold of us to tell us how pathetic or grumpy we are or complain about me <laughs> telling a sacrilegious joke? Stalking us. Wow. <laughs> We might enjoy that.
0: <laughs> oh. I just
2: thought for once I didn't enjoy it. Oh. <laughs> it's like it's like with the Vikings when they used to do the raping and pillaging. Nobody enjoyed the pillaging.
1: <laughs> so no, but no, nothing else. We need to. What I feel up? like we should wrap this up before we tell any more bad jokes. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
0: we should wrap it up. We should wrap it up.
1: <laughs> All righty, let's wrap it up then. Ooh, see you next week. See you guys.